Sherin. Yeah, when you're riding down a beach and you need some food, you gotta ride to the garden. When you're in never beach and you need some food, you gotta ride check, check, to check, the check. garden. When you're looking for a treat, need something to eat, so I saw what to call, cause this restaurant can't be beat. Best high and loud. Game day, folks. Game day, game day, game day. 2 o'clock p.m. Your UH Bows men's volleyball team will be playing for the ship, the men's national championship. Against the hated Cal State University, Long Beach. Long Beach, tic-tac. Grab your gat. Watch your back. Here I come. Did uh, you just make that rap? No, that's that's uh, that's from the Chronic. That's Snoop Dogg and oh, okay, uh, somebody okay. else. Um, but but so basically, so the championship is against Long Beach in Long Beach. So it's basically an away game. It's a home game if, for them. If anyone can do it. Hold up, hold up, hold up. We them bows. But if uh, anybody can beat us, it's Long Beach because they're the actual team that has. This is like, this is, you know, this is a venture. Long Beach but is Thanos. We Long did, Beach is Thanos. Long Beach is the Night King. We did beat Long Beach last time we met to win the Big West so are, so, championship. So are we Thanos? I think. If this is the sequel, are we Thanos? Okay, or I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. Are we Thanos? I. Don't say we're Thanos. I'm only about halfway through the MCU right oh. now. So I don't, I don't we're actually, not the King, are we? I don't know anything about Thanos. We're okay. Arya. We're Arya? We gonna Hell get yeah. that bitch. Spoilers. Let's do the drop. Retroactive spoilers. We often hear Halloween meaning white person in a negative connotation, but is a perfectly good word. It means foreign introduced of foreign origin or foreign introduction. So in Hawaiian, anyone or anything that is not native to Hawaii is haole. I'm Leilani Poli Ahu. Ahui ho. Haole. Welcome to Blue White Podcast. I'm Ryan Little. I'm Josh Michaels. Folks, did you know that our dear friend and co-host Ryan Little is forming an exploratory committee to examine a run for mayor of the city and county of Honolulu in the year of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ 2020? So folks, if you want Ryan to run for mayor... I I didn't say that. (laughs) If you want Ryan to run for mayor... Get in touch. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on t- if, if you think that I would do a better job yeah. of running the city and county of Honolulu yeah. than any of the other contenders in the field, like us on Instagram, yeah. like our photos on Instagram, like us on Facebook, follow yeah. us. And uh, P.S. Congratulations to the Hawaii State Legislature on your 20% pay raise. Yeah. Oh, quickly, before we get too deep in the episode, yeah. uh, this week's Shares to Shouts Challenge yes. comes from... Nicholas, is this another made-up name? This is not made up. It's totally made this up. This is not made up. I'm Folks, just, lo- I'm just looking in the notes. Do you want a mayor who you can trust? This, <laughs> this never, week's shares to shouts challenge comes from uh, Nick Jones of Fairview, Colorado. He's not a real person. Yes, not a real he is. City. He's a real listener and a real person. Nick Jones, if you're out there, proof of life. Get I in need touch. it. I need it. 
Send me, uh, send us a photo a copy of you holding today's paper. Yeah, today's the what Fairview is, Times. Fairview, what what's called? Yeah, the Colorado Daily. No, it's the Fairview Times. Fair, again, not a real newspaper. Not no, a real, yes, it is. Is it the, really the Fairview Times? Google it. Fairview Colorado. Nick Jones in Fairview Colorado. Oh, uh, you know what? What? What did Nick Jones say? Nick Jones said, "I am a real person. <laughs> please don't, please don't question my life. <laughs> please don't laugh at me." <laughs> So uh, uh, thank you, Nick, for your submission to the hashtag shares to shouts challenge. Listeners, if you have something that you would like us to say on the air. Yeah. And you are not John Schoenfeld. Just hashtag shares to shouts. Like, tag, share the episode. Thanks to Nick Jones for doing that. Congratulations on your existence, Nick. You are <laughs> and, uh, definitely a real person. <laughs> Mazel tov. <laughs> uh, Hashtag shares to shouts, and we will do one winner every oh, week, up to six seconds of audio. I hear Nick Jones is also the most recent uh, addition to the Democratic primary. Like, he's also announced <laughs> his candidacy. Now that brings the total to approximately 38, 39. <laughs> with, with a bunch of questionably real people or yeah. not. Yeah. Uh, the names out there are just getting Senator ridiculous. Michael Bennett recently joined the race. Who is that? That's a, no. Is it Michael Bennett? Michael Bennett. That's, yeah. Isn't that the name of the, the... Wasn't that the name of the black guy that played Dr. Carter on ER? possible wait also michael bennett is an nfl player are you sure it's michael bennett yeah colorado senator michael bennett i've michael pretty common first name bennett reasonably common last name it happens it's true so uh can't wait for michigan senator tom brady to (laughs) declare (laughs) eric levitz of new york mag with a great uh he's he's trying out he's gonna take andy borowitz's job at the new yorker because he's a much better comedy writer okay uh i was skeptical of michael bennett's presidential candidacy at first but reading his stump speech really changed my mind America stands at a crossroads. In one direction lies division, decline, and ecological devastation. In the other, inclusion, global leadership, and sustainable prosperity. But this campaign is about something much smaller than that. It is about whether I, as an individual, can get my memoir into Amazon's top 10 bestsellers in politics and government. It is about whether we're going to live in a country where I'm invited onto the network Sunday shows once every two months or once every two weeks. Above all, it's about whether I can look my children in the eye and say, Darlings, you're going to have to ask your mother about that because daddy has found an excuse to be gone for the next six months. He's got my vote. <laughs> also, oh, what? Wait, wait, wait. Oh, well, but when I look into the decades before us, I do not do so with the slightest trepidation because I know that our republic has faced challenges just as vexing in the past. And time after time, by hook or by crook, people as wealthy and white as I am have made it through just fine. If you want crocodile tears about Mother Gaia, go listen to Beto O'Rourke. If you want the truth, then read my lips. I've got about half my retirement savings invested in water and another quarter in Albertan farmland. When the Ogallala Aquifer dries up, I'm going to be a fucking zillionaire. At this critical hour, we can't afford to deceive each other. By the time the rising tides hit the fan, I'll either be dead or strapped into an Oculus Rift on a luxury satellite like the one in Pixar's WALL-E. And at that point, I promise you, I will care no more about what happens to you peasants than you all care about what's actually already happening to the bees. I like how he brought it back with a little bit of... That feels like that could have been written by... Uh, that feels like that could have been written by Michael Poor. Michael you know what Poor, I mean? Michael Port. He's got that like that sense of like existential nihilism, nihilism, but like with that like wonderfully suave humor. Yeah, nihilism is the appropriate response, I think. Speaking Very, of speaking of nihilism, wait, let's talk about who made the best decisions of their life this week. So, yeah, welcome to our uh, new weekly recurring theme called "Who Made the Best Decisions of Their Life This Week." 
Uh, these are people who followed us on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, so shout out to our new followers. Uh, the Racial Maddow Show. The Racial Maddow Show? The Racial, R-A-C-I-A-L, Racial Maddow Show. That's that's fun. I like it's that. It's a funny and socially conscious political podcast with an emphasis on racial issues in pop culture. Stay in your lane. Stay in your f- there can, lane. There can only be one. Well, actually, they don't talk about Hawaii, do they? No. Dibs. <laughs> Hosted by Jaleesa Johnson at Tweet Jaleesa. Shout out to you, Jaleesa. Uh, international podcast woman of mystery, stand-up comedian, co-host of also another podcast called Muller. She wrote. She good loves name. a good pun. She, I, I can't right. can't hate on her for that. Also, credit where it's due. Shout out to at AJL underscore two thirteen. Woo! Definitely our, not about. Nope, 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 not. Uh, born in Honolulu. Yes. Works in downtown LA. Ooh. Old weeb. Don't know what that means. Weeb. Navy brat. Understand what that means. Uh, gamer with a Y. All right. Gay gamer. Very happy to have you following us. Congratulations on making the best decision of your life this week. And then finally, Nelson Espe at the Nell God. T H E N E L G O D. It's a little sacrilegious. A little bit. A little bit. A little. A little self-aggrandizing. Uh, came across <laughs> Mr. Espe uh, in a thread started by Jenk Wigger of the Young Turks. Jenk was talking about um, basically the crippling decision of having to decide when and whether to ration your health care when you're faced with a life-threatening disease. Jesus. Something that... Um, Every other civilized nation on earth doesn't have to worry about. Exactly. Yeah. And so I was reading the, the responses because I'm a glutton for punishment and sometimes those things just like... I feel like you have to, right? Break like, me on the wheel of emotions. I was like, you can get like the the pundit's view, but you really want to know like what is there's somebody else behind what, this. What and does like, Ben Shapiro think about? What this? does Ben Shapiro think? No, other, wanna, other than all these people deserve to die because they did not plan ahead properly. You just so I'm I'm like reading the replies, and there's this guy Nelson Espe who says, a year ago I was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer with no insurance. I know many have similar stories. It's horrible. Any candidate who isn't for universal health care is a no-go for me. Fair, right? So he and I started a little bit of an exchange. Asking him how he was, he said, Aside from a ton of medical bills, everything seems good for now. Still a mental battle. The nightmares from the diagnosis, the fear it can come back. <sighs> this guy's 31, stage 3 colon cancer, and it can happen to any it's, of us. He's one of millions of people around the country with a similar story. And here's the thing is you think like, okay, um, he's 31 and has colon cancer. That's part of it. But then you also think like, and this is something Josh and I talk about a lot. Like, what is his job? Like, is he going to be like 31, 32, potentially facing a recurrence of cancer and being like, my boss wants to pay me $31,000 a year to like, you know, eat roadkill or whatever they make you do in corporate America. It's like, yeah. we have like this, this socioeconomic but what does crisis. It what does his healthcare mean for Jeff Bezos's bottom line? Exactly. We don't want Jeff Bezos to have to pay more taxes. So uh, what sucks is as uh, as anybody is or everybody it seems like I should say is doing right now. He started a GoFundMe. So if you oh, yeah. if you feel like you want to chip into a 31 year old's struggle to cover uh, cancer costs with no insurance, could be any one of us. Could literally be any one of us. Follow him on Twitter. He's got his link right there in his bio. Um, and I highly encourage you guys to to share because, again, as Josh said, it could be any one of us. Also, this just underscores the absolute necessity for forcing healthcare as a primary issue in 2020. Yeah. Despite what Joe Biden says, despite what yeah. Neera Tandon says, uh, getting 
universal healthcare in this country is the second most challenging or second most pressing challenge we face only to climate change. And it's unacceptable that it is where it is. So shout out to Nelson. He made the best decision of his life by following us on Twitter. Yeah. But but of course, of course, those two issues you just mentioned, they're 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 inextricably linked because the third the third issue, and this this covers everything, is the income inequality and the resource disparity between the rich and poor in this country. Absolutely. And the rich who the status quo is working great, the defenders of the status quo have no imperative to change. We see that in DC. We've seen that with the conclusion of the Hawaii State Legislature this week. We see it in Hawaii like son of a bitch. Yeah. Speaking of all those exact problems, um, we went in a little hard on Joe Biden last week because he when he announced for president because uh, we wish Uncle Joe, we wish him well, but we also wish he would have stayed retired. Wish he would have just retired, bro. Um, Three great, we're just going to, we're not even going to. Or I wish he would have run in 2016. Or I wish he would have run in 2016, Uncle Joe. There are three great articles that The Guardian ran this week that my mom actually forwarded to me. Shout out Auntie Carolyn. Despite being, you know, Joe Biden's target demographic, you know, boomer, boomer, baby boomer, senior, like just now into senior citizenship, howly lady. She's not having it. She's not having it. She's not about the Uncle Joe life. Right, your mom's woke AF. She's, she, she realized like wrong man, wrong, or right man, wrong time, I guess. Good man, wrong time. Good man, wrong time. Yeah. Yeah. So one... By Arwa Badawi, Joe Biden is the Hillary Clinton of 2020, and it won't end well this time either. True. The but, the end the last sentence of that yeah, the last sentence of that quote of that article was really striking. Yeah, we're going to be told that we should repeat the mistakes of 2016 all over again. We're going to be told that it will work out this time. Oof. You you don't want it. You got to choose the electable candidate. You don't want to go too. Yeah, the other one by Hamilton Nolan. Clinton-era politics refuses to die. Joe Biden is the zombie that staggers on. Can I read one quote from that one too? Yeah. This is talking about Democrats and uh, basically their the moral failings of the entire Democratic Party post-Carter. Yeah. They earned their turn in power by agreeing not to use that power for the common good. Yeah. Shit. Here we are. Incredibly divided, hopelessly unequal, justifiably sick of our broken institutions and very, very angry. Good luck on the campaign trail, Joe. You're about to meet an America that has already left you behind. I'm sorry you'll have to find out the hard way. And last one, Richard Wolf. Whoa there, Democrats. Joe Biden isn't as electable as you think. It's true. Here's a quote from that one. Biden himself likes to say, among many other pithy aphorisms, that we shouldn't compare him to the almighty, that we should compare him to the alternative. That is also true of every other Democratic candidate. Compared to the alternative, Joe from Scranton has no more advantage than Kamala from Oakland or Corey from Newark. It's true. It's all true. It's all correct. Um, we don't need to talk about the the complete, uh, for lack of a better word, we're slipping into Yiddish here, the complete Shonda that was uh, Attorney General William Barr mucking it up. Did test- something happen? Just the usual BS. Just the usual you've, BS. You've heard it all already, folks. No, here's our, our biggest story of the week is yeah. that Bill de Blasio is expected to run. Oh, uh, why? That's I not don't our know. biggest story of the That's week. That's not our biggest story no, of the week. It's, it's yeah. just like uh, everybody's just like, let me get it. I think you're I think that the, the guy from the New Yorker had it right. It's just like, look, if I run, I might generate some PR. Yeah. I, I think people are running in the hopes that they're going to get brought on to the networks as commentators for 2020 yeah. because that's going to be such a lucrative gig. And de Blasio is so unpopular already. He's yeah. probably like, look, this mayor thing ain't working out. Maybe yeah. I can catch on as a CNN commentator in 2020 uh, and beyond. Well, let's one, one, one last pithy comment about 
Attorney General William Barr and the this the DC insider shit show before we take it abroad for some you know equally troubling but less immediately concerning news to us. I love this quote. Glenn Greenwald is out in force going to going to the mat for William Barr. These uh, classic pretend to be like hardcore left anti-establishment journalists who in the interest of just who just love more than anything the brand is not about leftism or actually trying to make people's lives better the brand is contrarianism yeah contrarianism to you know just just being difficult for the sake of being difficult and taking the alternative view for the sake of taking the alternative which view. like to be fair is probably a third of the political left right and that's that's at the same time one of the big breakdowns yeah. that the right doesn't have to deal with eric atchison at rev eric atchison said i forget who said it re glenn greenwald it wasn't me but quote Never, ever trust a government official, unless it's the guy who secured a bunch of pardons for Iran-Contra criminals, is one hell of a personal brand. Yeah. Yeah. So, folks, go ahead and ignore everything you see positive about William Barr. I think Barr feels like the first person that the Democrats have brought enough shame on that he actually might consider folding and resigning. He, He won't. I don't think he will. And he's I still, mean, look, if no, he made it through a wrong contra, toady, but maybe toady, his constitution isn't isn't strong enough anymore. To, toadies are gonna toady, man. Yeah, I just he is I have never seen somebody get piled on yeah. so quickly. Yeah. So hard. Yeah. Well so it's so like it's shameless. But so folks more Speaking d- of shamelessness, <laughs> John Kelly, yeah, former chief of staff of the White House, joined the board of Caliburn International. Was to, he was supposed to be the grown-up in the room who the gr- resigned because yeah. he couldn't take the he couldn't take the inhumanity of the White House anymore and locking all those children up. Well, he joined the board of Caliburn International, which is the company operating the largest unaccompanied migrant children shelter hashtag concentration camp. Yeah, charming, folks. You were an island in the Pacific, and we we worry about sea level rise. We talk about sea level rise and the future habitability or lack thereof of our home city of Honolulu. Another Pacific archipelago is facing challenges, and they're uh, making big moves. They got a few more people than us, too. They have a, quite a few more people. Uh, if we're the big pine, the big durian, Jakarta, the capital of Indonesia, one of the most populous cities on Earth, they're moving their capital city in Indonesia because researchers say that in large parts of the megacity could be entirely submerged by 2050. That is wild. North Jakarta sunk eight feet in the last 10 years and is sinking anywhere between one and 15 centimeters a year. I truly don't understand how that's possible. Yeah. They got 10 million people and they are falling into the ocean. They got 10 million people 10 just million that people. are in their city center. Yeah. They're like metro area. Yeah. I think Jakarta is the largest mega city in the world. It's it, like, it could be, it's like 25 million, but the area is like, was it like half the size of New York? I mean, when we went there, because yeah. we have gone together, it was... The Big Durian. Dude, that was the weirdest, most densely packed place I've ever seen. Like, yeah. It was like a cross... It was like it was like if Kalihi was Beijing size. Yeah. That's but then, Hawaii but listeners. Then parts that's the, that's it, the best way I can describe it. But then it. parts of it were like gleaming. I mean, you would literally like... I remember we were talking about this while we were there, and it was like you go three blocks north, yeah. and it's like... These gleaming brand new million dollar high rises. Luxury mall and then slums. Slum, like slum, a luxury slum, slum, mall slum. that's like yeah. like twice the size of all Moana. Yeah. Like enormous. The, and then the income discrepancy is even more obvious than it is here in the States. Dude, and then yeah, and then it's like you go, you know, two blocks south and it's like somebody's so poor that like they are wearing a diaper because yeah. there's nowhere to go to the bathroom yeah. and they don't want to poop in the street. Like 
that was the weirdest and like it's only gonna get it, climate it, change and continued income inequality and the system that funnels rapacious exploitative capitalism worldwide it's only gonna make it worse it looked like to me it looked like if you took tokyo and like somalia and mixed them together like that is how i would describe jakarta it was wild what does somalia ever do to you black hawk down Please direct your complaints to <laughs> at Blue Hawaii Run. Also, uh, oh, good, more good international news. A State Department official says that China poses a unique challenge because it's our first competitor that isn't, quote, Caucasian, and that because China has a different culture, it's not possible to change it with, quote, Western concepts like, ha, 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 human rights. Oh, God. Because I'll tell you, if there's one thing that the United States is really... Yeah, really kicking ass on lately. The Mike Pompeo's State Department is really concerned about human rights. Yeah, the f- never mind. I, uh, other more good news. Oh, also, Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Another thing that should totally disqualify him. He said China. China. The same way he said millennials don't have it tough. He also said China's not our competitor. China can't eat our lunch. Like Uncle Joe just doesn't get it. But and the last little bit of good international news. Spain has returned the far right to Parliament. For the first time since the death of General Franco. What could possibly go wrong? This is just, uh, you know, not part of a big international trend. All right, folks, we have a special Mother's Day treat for you. Coming back after the break, we are talking to Amanda Pohl. She is running for the 11th district in the Virginia State Senate. Just in case you think 2020 is the only thing that matters, uh, there are other elections going on all over the country. This one is happening this year, 2019, November. It's going down. And it's one of the more important things about the Democratic strategy to hopefully take back the soul of the country. And is, not completely screw up. You know, the Republicans did a really good job of not losing sight of the fact that down-ballot races really, really mattered. Mm-hmm. And so in 2010 and prior to that, even in like the early aughts, we've got a, just a entire bench that turned into first-string players of Republicans taking over various state legislatures and look at what it's done in terms of all the mean-spirited, uh, punishingly exhausting, bad-faith legislation that's erupted since then. So, yep. back in a moment with Amanda Pohl. Check it. Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii. Welcome back to the Blue Hawaii Podcast, everybody. Our guest today is Amanda Pohl. She is running for the 11th District in the Virginia State Senate. She's a wife, mom, nonprofit professional, deacon in her church, adjunct professor of social work, and current national president of her multicultural sorority. Amanda served as a PRN chaplain for CGW Medical Center for 10 years, and she also served as a chaplain through clinical pastoral education at VCU Medical Center. She's an alum of Virginia Tech, go Hokies, completed seminary at Baptist Theological Seminary in Richmond, Virginia, and also holds an MS in patient counseling and a master's in social work from Virginia Commonwealth University. And don't worry, we checked with her ahead of time. She was not at Virginia Tech whenever they played Auburn in the 2004 Sugar Bowl. That was the one criteria we had to verify so before she came on the show. we can still all be friends here, gang. Yes. <laughs> Amanda Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Okay, so uh, first things first, the most important question that's on everybody's mind. What was it like to be at Virginia Tech at the same time as Michael Vick? Uh, you know, I didn't really run into him too much. Probably for the best. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It was well, fine. He was famous, though. Every, every it, All the football games were always packed. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I had to stay away from campus sometimes when there when there were football games. But there were we did have to camp out if we wanted tickets as students. Wow. Like, there you go. Literally camp out. 
So uh, you are in a bid to become Virginia Tech's second most famous alum. <laughs> this is your, this is your first run for political I don't think office. Vic graduated. I think he did. Did he graduate? I, don't know. I thought he went. I thought he went pro early. Second most famous. Maybe, no, former, the thing former, is, maybe maybe the most famous alum. That's what well, I'm, there's the road to most famous there. alum. Uh, second most famous Hokie. We'll That's just, true. Yeah. Uh, tell us tell us about uh, what inspired you to run for office. Yeah. So um, my, really, it's uh, my past work um, doing a lot of different things that I've done in my life um, as a chaplain. You guys talked about my being a chaplain. Um, that work was really important to me. And while I was a social worker um, working in policy world, I was working for a nonprofit called Virginia Organizing, um, which was an amazing group. Um, Virginia Organizing was we, we helped grassroots folks, um, you know, talk about their concerns and um, raise issues that were important to them um, and really you know, make change in their lives. And while I was doing that, I was still working part time as a chaplain. Mm -hmm. And we were working on Medicaid expansion, which I'm not sure if you guys expanded Medicaid in Hawaii. Uh, we, really, we, we did. You probably did. Like most smart states, you expanded early, got the benefits from the federal government. Well, Good Barack job. was from here. So yeah. and we, we yeah. actually our prepaid health health care act, uh, like back in the 70s, we were the first state to like semi-socialized to semi. Yeah. To, our to, our health care. It's funny because our basically we had the employer mandate oh, since way oh, back. It's wonderful. It's, so we actually well, had to get a waiver during the Obamacare process. So to, to give yeah. you an idea uh, of how that's affected the cost of health care here. Um, when I grew up, I grew up in Alabama. Uh, it was like $400 a month for per person for healthcare. And it was like co-pays were like $75 and nothing was ever covered here. It's like 80 bucks a month, like a hundred bucks a month and everything's dirt cheap. You can go to the doctor anytime you want. It's actually amazing. So wow, my insurance is a lot more expensive than yours. Is it? Well, I mean, they pull it out of my salary. Uh, I guess I, Never mind. That's not. That's not important. Is your that, <laughs> my doctor's in a dumpster? Where's your doctor? <laughs> so, uh, uh, well, maybe so, I need to visit there. So well, for, but this situation yeah. wouldn't have happened yeah. uh, there then. But so I got called into the hospital in the middle of the night because we didn't expand Medicaid in Virginia. Yeah. And for, purely what, for political reasons. Pure, purely for political reasons, and yeah. it was very frustrating. And so I, I had been working on this Medicaid expansion issue uh, with Virginia organizing and talking to people about their stories. And I get called in the hospital and this family's there yeah. and they're telling me the story about their mother. And she worked for a fast food restaurant and she could afford her basic life. I mean, she had her apartment, she had her groceries, she could do what she needed to do, but she couldn't afford health insurance. Yeah. And she was almost of age to get Medicare. And so she thought, well, I'll just wait. I'll, I'll get Medicare. Eventually it'll be fine. And she ended up um, being diagnosed with high blood pressure, but she couldn't afford her medication. Uh -oh. And so she had to make a decision. She's either going to buy her groceries or she's going to buy her high blood pressure medicine. And she ended up choosing to buy her groceries and she had a stroke and she died. Uh yeah. And so this woman died because of politics. Yeah. And to me, that was completely unacceptable. Yeah. We actually had a, have a we have a follower this week who we were talking yeah. about who uh, is 31. He had he got uh, diagnosed with stage three colon cancer and he's got oh. no insurance uh, and he's got no insurance because and we've decided yeah. we've decided that health insurance profits are more important than. Uh, yeah. Than human lives. So, yeah. Yeah. 
So that's it's awful. And when you when you put politics over people, to me, that's just that's insane. But there is a there is a another personal reason that I decided to run. And in Virginia, another healthcare reason. Um, I had a miscarriage a couple years ago. Oh, sorry to hear that. Well, thank you. Um, and and it was hard. Um, but what made it harder is Virginia has these really harsh, um, you know, anti-choice laws. Um, and it's, you know, I had to go through all of those, um, waiting period, the 24 hour waiting period, the, all of the restrictions that you have to go through to have an abortion because my baby, um, my baby's heart just stopped beating in utero. And so to experience that firsthand and to know what it was like, it was like, well, wait a minute, these these laws aren't being made thinking about people. They're being made in political vacuums. Yeah. Yeah. Um, At the hardest, what probably the hardest thing you ever have to go through in your life is is compounded because old, old male politicians want to signal to their base that like, I really care. Right. And, and it's, it's like, well, what about the trauma that my family experienced, yeah. you know, the, the having to, you know, take off work and, you know, get a babysitter for my kids, because what if I started bleeding out in the middle of the night, sure. right? Like this, things like that, yeah. just thinking through all of that. Um, you know, it's, it's stuff that people don't consider. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really harsh, um, you know, to talk about, but it's also really harsh to consider. And I was lucky because I had health insurance yeah. and I had, sure you know, a spouse that could take off work, I could take off work, we had access, we had all of those things. But there's so many women who don't and so many families who don't. And so for me, it was, you know, the the mo- that was the moment that I said, I can't do this anymore. It's great to be an advocate. I love um, advocating on behalf of other people. Uh, I love doing this in the nonprofit world, but when I get the chance and when I'm ready, I'm going to run for office because I've got to make changes. Good for um, you. And I, I just can't sit by and let somebody else do this for me anymore. And so I decided to run. Speaking yeah. about that, then um, tell us about your district. Tell us about you know who's the who's what's going the challenger. On? Yeah. What's, what's 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 going on in the, the land? <laughs> yeah, so it's a really interesting race. Um, and historically, this this district has been a Republican stronghold. Mm-hmm. Um, it, a Democrat has not won this district um, in the Senate, in the state Senate since 1979. We're going to change it this year because it's trending Democratic. Um, and what we're looking at as far as numbers, Tim Kaine, um, who was on the vice president sure. ticket. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody's heard of Tim Kaine. Tim Kaine actually won this I think district. He speaks Spanish, doesn't he? He does. America's, America's stepdad. <laughs> Tim Kaine. He's so great. Um, Senator Kane won um, this district when he ran a re-election for U.S. Senate in 2018, mm. and he won the district by one percent. Um, okay. And he was the first de- Democrat to win that district in a while. Um, so we know it's possible to win this district. We just have to have the right candidate and sure. we have to have the right motivation. Yeah. And the person I'm running against is really extreme. Yeah. Um, and we the district doesn't appreciate extreme, um, you know, Republicans running in that district. Tell us about tell us about her. Yeah, so she supports conversion therapy for LGBTQ youth. Jeez. Yeah. So she's a yeah. total kook. Well, you know, I can't say that, right. but I we can, can say we can say that. <laughs> we could say that she's a total kook nut job who's responsible for kids killing themselves. Yeah. Uh, I can say that. Um, you know, it's it, to me it. For her, I feel like she thinks it's a free speech issue. And for me, as a that classic worker, free speech to torture yeah. children into yeah. believing oh, what you want them to believe. These liberals right. are the really intolerant ones. Yeah. 
Right. Why won't you celebrate my free speech right to tell kids they're going to hell? Oh my yeah. God. Oh, my God. Yeah. And for me, it's an issue as a social worker of yeah. you're causing trauma. Yeah, you're causing sure. harm and yeah. real harm, not just, you know, some some kind of psychological harm that may or may not hurt somebody. You're causing actual harm where people, like you said, could kill themselves. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. This is this is terrible. So. Yeah, and I've talked to people who've been through conversion therapy. It's and, torture. Um, it is torture. It psychological. Is torture. Sometimes, sometimes physical, but uh, sometimes always physical. Well, psychological. It, always psychological. And the torture. thing about yes. conversion therapy is because it's, I it mean, also doesn't work. Almost it all. Work. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. But the one of the things that I I think about is on top of the fact that you're that you're forcing this person into this like punishment cocoon of believing what you believe. You're also, because it's almost always overlaid with a religious overtone, is like you're telling them that if you don't get this exactly right, you won't just be tortured throughout life, but for all of eternity. Your eternal soul. Your eternal torture is what's at stake here. And you pound that into their heads to the point that even if you have like a, a very significant life change, like disabusing yourselves of certain religious conceptions is really hard. It's really, really hard. I mean, if you grow up with that and that's your foundation, like that's your default mode. You know what I mean? So, so so the incumbent for lack of a better word sucks. Uh, What, what else does she do that sucks? Let's talk. Yeah. Yeah, So there's more things. things We Um, want some red meat. Believes in conversion therapy. Um, She also um, brought her gun to the Senate, um, (laughs) which (laughs) you can do in Virginia. (laughs) Yeah. So you're running against Um, Yosemite Sam. What's the, uh, what's that girl? Caitlin Bennett. That's always on the, uh, you know, do you know what you're talking about, Amanda? The Kent State gun girl on Twitter. She's like this girl that went to Kent State and was like, I'm going to carry a rifle around because. Oh, I did hear about that. I've never heard of history. She's uh, she's decided oh. some people I've noticed some people have confused uh, guns with having a personality. Yeah, my personality. <laughs> I'm M16. Yeah. Yeah. Um, How would you well, describe she called yourself? her gun. My opponent called her gun um, her Equal Rights Amendment because oh, she opposed Lord. the Equal Rights Amendment. So nice. she called her gun her ERA. And, and my question is, you know, so which gun is going to give you um, fair pay? Which yeah. gun is going to make sure that women don't get discriminated against in the workplace? And which gun is going to make sure, you know, that we can, you know, um, nurse our babies? And, you know, there's so many things, right? Like, which gun is going to do that? You can't ask that none. question because what they're going to do is they're going to be like, oh, well, this gun, the Ruger F-14X. <laughs> This one's actually specifically made for baby nursing. Yeah. Well, the, well, this gun, this gun is my ERA. But any other sort of policy change to make a woman's life better is socialism. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, she sucks. Beyond, beyond your terrible opponent, beyond your terrible incumbent. Uh, is it a crowded Democratic field in a primary or are you sort of... So there's two of us running in okay. the Democratic primary. Um, there's another guy who ran against her in 2015 Okay. Um, and, you know, didn't win. So there's Tell us why him. he sucks. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, you know, I mean, I think he's a good guy. He, um, but, he, you know... He just he didn't just, get the job done. He, he didn't win. Yeah. And so, you know, there's... Um, there, he, he's, a, he's a veteran. He served our country and... He's he's done. Um, he's done a lot of good things for, for like the guy. U.S. Yeah. and for the Democratic Party. Yeah, it just I just don't think he's the right person for this job, and I think I am. There are yeah. some argue, and you know, it's we're doing this special, especially once I once I saw your story, saw saw your platform. I figured it would be perfect for a Mother's Day interview, especially yeah. you know, as a mom. It's Mother's Day coming up. Not to not to not to you know 
be the the token liberal going to identity politics. But this is this <laughs> well, is let's do it for a second. In a lot of ways, in a lot of let's ways, in a lot of ways, we need a woman. We need a mother running for the seat, making this argument. Yeah. Tell us about your platform and what you would push for as Virginia's uh, senator for the eleventh district. Yeah. So healthcare is a big thing for me. Um, having been a chaplain um, as a mom, the experiences that I've had and the experiences that I've seen and the, the people that I talk to in the district, um, you know, even after expanding Medicaid, folks are talking to me about how they still have to pay $600 a month for, um, you know, insulin. Um, or, you know, my sister, um, you know, she doesn't live in my district, but my niece and has really bad allergies. And my mm-hmm. sister was debating whether or not she should get the EpiPens or if she could oh my gosh. actually like, you know, get the epinephrine vials herself and, you know, get the, the needles and measure it out and do the thing. And I'm like, no, 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 you got to get the EpiPens, but they're so expensive. Right. And so, <sighs> you know, she, and she can, she, she's struggling to afford that. Right. But like, imagine people who really can't yeah. afford those right yeah, yeah. So it's a big deal and it, with epipens you have to have two of them because if one of them misfires right. and you're in a life or death situation it's it's a it's a nightmare you know so healthcare is a big deal we've got to make sure that that people have access to affordable health care in addition we've got to we got to take care of education we've got to fully fund our public schools yeah tell us more about that yeah, my kids both go to public schools. They go to, well, my littlest is in a, a pre-K right now, but she will be uh, going to f- public school. Um, my oldest goes to a Title I school. What's a Title I school? So Title One means that uh, the majority of the kids there are on free or reduced lunch. Okay. But we love it. It's it's so diverse and wonderful. And we just, we adore the school. We think it's great. And, you know, we, we think it's a wonderful experience for our kids. And, you know, all, all kids should go to the schools that, that our kids are going to. And um, politicians shouldn't be exempt from that. We should all put our kids in public schools. And every kid deserves a quality education. I truly think that if you made every politician send their kids to public schools, the schools that they legislate and are responsible for the public school system would be fixed in america literally overnight there would never be an issue for funding there would never be an issue for them uh teacher salaries or pay raises or anything it would be immediate we should also pay legislators minimum wage oh my god that'd be amazing (laughs) um (laughs) sorry no sorry sorry sorry, yeah you and you were telling us offline that in in your district they've literally had to have paper drives and and not just not just like notebook paper but like the district is no longer funding copy paper so any assignments that they're printing out all of their lesson plans like fun activities for the kids they're paying for that out of pocket now yeah so the teachers um you know the parents actually did a paper drive and said we're gonna um we're gonna make sure that the kids have copy paper or the teachers have copy paper um but it was it was this big deal and so pta is sending home notes to uh schools in my district and saying please send in copy paper for this copy paper drive um yeah and when it's across multiple districts yeah you were saying it got it got even worse to the point that uh and listeners if you're squeamish beware they were no longer <laughs> providing toilet paper in adequate supply yeah. for the high schools hey, but, and school, but public schools, I should say. At least, yeah. uh, at least everybody in like Fairfax County got a tax cut, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Actually, oh. everybody in Virginia is getting a tax cut. Um, okay. We're all going to get you know some money back, which is you're going to get five hundred dollars so that uh, right you know, into the toilet the paper. CEO fund. of New York Life can get. <laughs> 35 million a year right yeah so we're all gonna get that but parents are having to go right back into your toilet paper drives (laughs) parents Uh, have to put toilet paper in their kids backpacks yeah yeah oh my god uh 
One last Mother's Day themed policy question for you. I noticed you are a big proponent of paid family leave. Yes. Tell us about it. Yeah. So, you know, when I was first working, um, my my first job that I had um, when I was pregnant with my first child, I, you know, I didn't have paid family leave. I actually was a part-time employee and I had to go back to work. I had to kind of negotiate some vacation time. And then uh, I was working at a church um, and, and they wow. wouldn't let me off. Um, and so Classic I had, church move. Hey, it's not the Sabbath. It's not the Sabbath. Everybody working. I tell you what, in our churches, we do it right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I had to. WWJD. I only got two weeks off and then I had a, I had a difficult Love delivery it. and then I had to go right back into work, um, after a mm. difficult pregnancy. So, and then they're uh, like, Amanda, you, your performance seems to be <laughs> lagging. Can you explain that please? Uh, like, and please be aware by the way, that if you need a sick day, that's going to cost souls for Jesus. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. and you it know, was, what was worse is that they didn't want me to bring the baby with me. And I'm like, what do you want me to do with a two week old? Daycares don't yeah. accept two week olds. <laughs> they're so. like, uh, we don't care. That's the Lord's problem. <laughs> what, what is it? Yeah, as our as our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ said, deal with it. <laughs> deal with it, bro. Right, make it work. That that was in Not yeah, that was in uh, some book somewhere. Yeah, I think so. Suffer, uh, suffer the little children, blah blah blah. Somebody else deal with it. The worst <laughs> thing about churches, as as a Christian, I feel entitled to say this. The worst thing about churches is that they treat their employees so badly, and yeah. it's not in that like way where it's like it's like they, they treat you like crap and you have to be so poor and your life quality can be so low. And I don't mean like in that way where like a priest has like a low quality of life because he's like taking a vow of poverty. I mean, you have a, a, a low quality of life because your boss has taken a vow of poverty for you <laughs> so that like you're making $9 an hour to work 860 hours a week. And the top guy is making like, you know, 60 grand a year and is like a paid speaker at various conferences. And like, it's a really, it's a really shitty business model. And the worst part is, is it is a business and like they try to act yeah. like it's not, but it is. But anyway. Yeah. Hey, but they uh, provide toilet paper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They and do provide toilet paper. toilet paper. You know, so this is actually, this is something uh, we're seeing a trend nationwide and you're, you're kind of, you know, given your background, being a chaplain, seminary graduate, this conversation we're having, one of the, and this is, you know, in some ways this is a product of Donald Trump shaking everybody out of their complacency. The rise of the religious left over the past few years is incredibly heartening and optimistic, I think, for the future of the country. Tell us about tell us about uh, what that means to you. And, you know, given both in your professional and your personal experience. Yeah. So I actually um, grew up in a pretty conservative church. Um, Same. Yeah. And which one? Which one? Which one? uh, It was Baptist, Southern Baptist. I was Church of Christ girl. Oh, okay. (laughs) We'll have to talk more. Okay. (laughs) I'll share experiences. All the Um, gossip. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, holy gossip. I love it. Um, we, we, uh, I went to seminary and it actually, that's what changed me, um, was seeing a lot of, um, you know, really it's like social justice. Jesus is what I, what I call it. Um, it, it was meeting social justice, Jesus, um, and seeing what Jesus did for people, um, in these situations, like Jesus really did say, Hey, you got to take care of people in poverty. And, um, Oh, by the way, like when you do these terrible things to people in poverty, you're doing those things to me. Um, and it was like, Oh, well, you know, we can make the most impact if there's like a system, um, in place that, you know, can take care of the most people. So maybe we should fix those systems. Um, that's literally my exact story. And we've talked about it on the show before. Did you ever read Shane Claiborne? Yes. I love him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what Shane Claiborne, Tony Campolo, yeah. um, Kierkegaard to some extent. Like yeah. 
Yeah, that's and then then in then in Virginia, then you've got uh, Jerry Falwell Jr. and Franklin Graham. So that's true. The full, so you get all sides of the spectrum. The full yeah. gamut. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. sides of the spectrum. Um, my sister lives in Lynchburg, so um, I try to. Yeah, she's it's it's an interesting mix here. Um, but yeah, so that that's what changed me. And and to be honest, like coming out as a as a leftist christian um Same. you know it's it's hard sometimes yep. people um expect different things of you when you're i'm mm. still a baptist woman in a baptist church um, with a divinity degree and uh people expect you to believe certain ways and yep, they sure. expect you to um have certain um behaviors and that's just not who i am and to accept certain dogma as concrete and immutable yes. even though it was only postulated with post-reformation and right. even the entire time that we've spent since the Reformation to now is only one third of the time that the accreted church's history had existed uh, right. in the time prior to the Reformation. It's like, anyways, yeah, yeah. sorry. Uh, I would love to do a, re a yeah. research paper on tracing the Protestant Reformation and uh, the evolution of Trumpism because I think that mm -hmm. they are, I think you can see the clear evolutionary, like, fits and starts where things have happened america you know he fits in in a sort of in a sort of perverse secular way he fits into our great revival tradition right like every yes. every few decades or so here comes this new voice yeah yeah recommitting voice us. in the wilderness yeah crying yeah. out yeah. city Prepare, on a hill declaring the name of the lord yeah, yeah, which is two really Corinthians, hectic. Love that book. Oh, I eat my little cracker. Two Corinthians, I love it. You know, and I somebody was wearing a shirt in a picture with my opponent that said, um, "Jesus is my savior, Trump is my president," and I'm like, uh, "Oh, you've got to be kidding us. me, right? Like, how do you put those things on a shirt? I mean, uh, you know, Jesus is my savior is cool, but like, and Trump is my president. Like, <laughs> why are those things on the same shirt? You know, yeah. like, come on. You know, why uh, not just put king? Like, Trump yeah. is my king. Like, yeah. It, oh. Was anyway. it no? It's like that quote, you know, render unto Caesar, Caesar everything, and yeah. render unto the Lord everything. Right? Yeah. That's how it works. <laughs> uh, Two for one. Okay, so we've sort of gone far afield, but you're you're basically you're talking. We've talked about conversion therapy. We've talked about um, your groundings for your politics during your faith. We've talked about family issues, um, education, health, education. Yeah. I guess the only thing left for us to ask is if people want to get involved. If they if they hear this and they think. What a kind, compassionate, smart woman as we do talking yeah. to you. Or like, this lady's cool as hell. How do we <laughs> donate? How do we get involved? How do we make our make ourselves part of this, this small movement that you're making? Yeah, so I really hope you guys will, all of your listeners will, because um, I got to make a pitch because Virginia is an unrestricted donation state. So my Republican opponent's getting tons of money from corporations and the NRA um, because, you know, her gun on her hip. Um, and uh, that money is going to come pouring into Virginia for her. So we're we're expecting to spend like a million dollars to win a state Senate seat. Oh my seat. gosh. Yeah, I know. Senate. A million a state dollars? Senate. Yes. This is normal for Virginia. Um, Holy crap. Virginia is yeah. for lovers, as they say. Yeah. Lovers yeah. of money. Lovers, lovers of, of money. Hard cash. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> also a you know bible verse in there somewhere um so so yeah so something about people... the a rich man and a camel you can ride into heaven really easily yeah <laughs> it's it's the eye of the needle who cares yeah. you want to know what i heard <laughs> this is what they say in uh evangelical world yeah when i was i i went to a uh evangelical christian school and they told us that what it says it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to get to heaven they said that uh, in Jerusalem, one of the gates was called the yes. Eye of the Needle 
but that it was hard to get through. But you could do it. It was like you, it was still easy so enough. So it's not. It's not. It was a very. It's not an day. allegory. He, Jesus was being extremely literal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like not saying like you have to love the poor and take care of them, but like right. that sometimes it's a little harder if you're rich. Right. Well, the rich are, you know, the most persecuted group in the country. Anyway, we want to get back to talking about donating. So it's expensive as shit to win a case. Uh, yes, to win a, uh, I would so say a case, expensive. a seat there. Yeah. <laughs> so expensive to win a seat. So if people do want to donate, um, my official website is poll, P-O-H-L, for Virginia, all spelled out, dot com. Um, but I also bought up all the Amanda-related domains. So AmandaForSenate.com, Amanda2019, it all redirects that. to my well, website. Well, I love that because your opponent is also named Amanda. Yes, so she is. So she's not going to get any Got of it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I snacked them all up. So, but pollforvirginia.com. Um, if you want to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, I'm all poll for Virginia, all spelled out. P O H L. Well, we Wonderful. are going to follow you yes. and we will be tweeting and sharing and liking and tagging and tagging as much as we can. That'd be great. Listeners, donate Amanda Poll's campaign. That's pollforvirginia.com. Yeah. Help her take back uh, the 11th district of Virginia. There are crazy people They're, in office all over this country. We need to chuck them all out. They're freaking crazy. Yeah. So, and Amanda, as you have heard, is not crazy. So she's just, therefore, she's she is crazy. a better choice. She's crazy about healthcare. She's crazy about education. She's crazy about making the world a better place. And doing things as Jesus did. Amanda, we like that. All right. You get the blue Hawaii bump. Oh, yay. Amanda, happy Mother's Day. Thank you. May your next Mother's Day be filled with legislative work and uh, <laughs> advocacy of a different sort. Thank you. I appreciate All right. it. All right. Keep in touch. Wishing you the best. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Okay, folks. It's time for shout outs. Shout outs. Shout out to our dear friend, Kamiko Walter, uh, young progressive demanding action, local agitator for justice, who is unfortunately leaving us. She is moving to Germany uh, to pursue her career because... Hawaii is experiencing a brain drain. It's hard out there, man. So she wrote uh, She wrote a great article in the Star Advertiser, an op-ed. Behind, it's behind the paywall, though, so I'm going to share some of the text with you. This was written before the conclusion of the legislature, but it's still totally applicable. Her article, Where has Hawaii's democracy gone? Since the 1950s, Hawaii's working-class voting majority has overwhelmingly supported Democrats and the values outlined in their party platform, such as equal justice and economic opportunity for all, environmental protection, and respect for people from all walks of life. Despite the nearly undisrupted support that Hawaii's Democratic Party enjoys, this supermajority of legislators routinely prevents the progression of these values, let alone sustaining them. Damn. And she just goes on, takes it bit by bit, you know, line by She's line. She's being very honest, though. Yeah. Like The Democratic Party made some of these policies a priority for the 2019 legislative session. These include providing fully publicly financed elections, increasing public education funding, installing video conferencing for neighbor islands, increasing the minimum wage to a living wage, and recognizing the legality of a graduate student union, amongst others. Unfortunately, however, most of these policies are already dead. I mean, like, they, they didn't do anything. They don't even, not only dead, they don't, they can't even get votes in the legislature. Here's the best part is, I, especially regarding the minimum wage, is that they refuse to raise the minimum wage to a living wage. It's still at 10, 10 an hour, which is about half of what we need in Hawaii to make it on a with just one person. But this week, Hawaii state legislators gave themselves yeah. a 20% so raise. And they only work four months out of the year. They work four months out of the year, and now they're getting paid nearly 70 grand to do it. Yeah. All these guys have second jobs too. They don't need the money. Seventy grand to work four months a year. Must be nice. Nice work if you can get it. I like. 
the, let's, let's, the short-sightedness. And folks... We got to move on before I start screaming. I'm just... Is that okay? Nothing's going to change unless you vote. Unless you vote for Ryan for mayor in 2020. <laughs> uh, some sports shout-outs. Local, local people doing big things and making the news. Shout-out to John John Florence, who won first in the Rip Curl Pro, Bells Beach in Australia. And shout-out to the Eliminator, Lima Lay McFarlane, who retained the Bellator Flyweight World title with a third-round technical knockout. Those are two great stories in the Hawaii world of sports news. And one sad one, uh, we have to send our aloha to former world surfing champion Sonny Garcia, who is uh, struggling in the ICU, uh, sending him best wishes for healing and recovery at this difficult time. Shout out to Japanese Emperor Emeritus Akihito, who became the first ruler to abdicate the chrysanthemum throne in over 200 years. Shout out. Not all rich people are bad, although he's probably still living pretty good. One last shout out. Two great stories from the animal kingdom. This by we love our animals. Rick Noack in the Washington Post. I'll just read the headline. Alleged Russian spy whale is refusing to leave and seeking Norwegian's devotion, authorities say. <laughs> Apparently, Russia has been trying to harness beluga whales. Literally harness. They found a harness on this whale and then use them for research purposes. Or should I say porpoises? Uh, <laughs> Hey yo, hey yo, hey yo, hey yo. Very strong. Which is just like the next thing in a string of weird, weird things that Russia does that don't surprise anyone at this point. The, the, the very endearing thing about this beluga, the one who refuses to leave the Norwegian harbor, the whale had moved only about 25 nautical miles within the last week, and he appeared to enjoy the proximity to humans, Aww. which he noted was, quote, strange for beluga. And he was even letting uh, the fishermen and the researchers pat him on the nose. Dude, I bet. Like, it's very charming. I'll tell you what, man. In general, Animals are better than people. I, am, I am able to set aside my horror at what we do to animals because I eat them, yes. right? I don't think about chickens. Yeah. I sometimes think about pigs, and we that bums think me about out. Factory farming is pretty much e is pretty evil. Well, I do. I will admit, I buy, I eat less meat than I used to because I buy most of it like organic farm raised if I can. So like, I'm doing my best here. But like, bro, if if somebody kills like a whale or an elephant, yeah. it messes with me. See you in hell. Like, pigs make me feel bad too because pigs are smart. And pigs can be very cute. Pigs can be cute. But, like, a pig will also eat a human. Like, no questions asked. A pig will eat a human. But, like, an elephant? Nah, man. Yeah, if you don't, know, be, don't be messing around with an elephant. Elephants are just too pure. They're smart. Yeah. They're, they're, the, they're the only animal other than humans that mourn their dead. Right? Yeah. Like, elephants are, like, don't mess. I saw this video today. Not today. I saw this video this week. The poacher thing? Where they were throwing firebombs at the elephants. I, I'm not. I'm not even gonna lie to you. I may have just been having one of them days, but like, I, I was like, trying. I was trying not to get emotional. Yeah, that's totally fine. Don't be. No. Don't be hurting an elephant. No. Now. When we did a, uh, we did. When we went to Thailand, uh, we did. You know, we did the ethical elephant sanctuary tour. Sure. We're like, you don't ride them. You feed them. You wash them. You ha you cruise with them, but you don't ride them. You know? And in order to like, as part of like the orientation, they showed us the, what they do in like the less than ethical touring tour industry oh it's terrible it's absolutely barbaric elephants are the best dude yeah. um okay. and i'm an auburn fan <laughs> oh i see what you did there yeah um and one last story speaking of you know just as charming as beluga whales uh 
these little guys, I'm happy to hear the good news. Uh, this piece came from The Guardian by Eleanor Androy in Dunedin, New Zealand. The critically endangered Kakapo, the world's fattest parrot. Now, that, if that's not charming, I don't know what's charming. <laughs> fattest parrot. The world's fattest parrot. Has a he ain't fat, he's just big bone. Has a record breeding season. Just 147 adult kakapo are alive today in their native New Zealand. But not for long. But scientists hope their fortunes are turning around. Oh, yeah. This is Get Kakapo it, Hour after dark. War- so, this year, 76 kakapo chicks have hatched. 60 are expected to make it to adulthood. 49 out of 50 breeding females laid eggs this year. The last record-breaking year was 2016. Only 37 fledged that year. So it is, to quote Dr. Andrew Digby, a science advisor to the Department of Conservation's Kakapo Recovery Program, oh, it's absolutely huge, bro. It's massive. It's absolutely massive. The Kakapo are uh, smashing. And then, as always, listeners, uh, shout out to you. Shout out to you for listening. Thanks for letting us do what we do. Get in touch with us for anything. We'll talk with you about whatever you want to know. Yeah. Like, tag, share. Like, tag, share. Follow. Share, Follow. share, Hashtag, share, share, shout. Yeah. And then tell your friends. If you don't like it, tell your enemies. All right. Love you. See you next week. Bye. Aloha. Blue Hawaii.